Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back, guys. DGS, a few minutes past 2 p.m. Coming up, we have Stairway to Kevin. We have attorney Brad Young. We have tons of stuff to talk about with him. Really fun Sweet 16. It is the best yelling scenes from a movie of all time. We're going to have, like, the sound of it. I really had fun with this. I thought it was a good idea. Uh, my guest now is second time that Lauren's been with us, Lauren Ponder. She is one of the organizers of Last Call, an end-of-life festival. She's also a death doula, which I describe as like uh, the other side of being a midwife. You know, instead of helping people into life, you're helping people to exit life. Good to see you again. So good to see you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, yeah. I was just telling Kevin, uh, Kevin and I have similar interests, and I thought he'd be really fascinated by this. So we'll get into the festival uh, but for people out there who didn't hear you the first time, uh, describe what it is that you do. Yeah. So as an end of life planner or a death doula, there's lots of names that people do. I provide people with resources and guidance on how to prepare for the end of life, actions they can take now before anything is imminent. Uh, and also just being there with families as those transitions happen into whatever's next and providing guidance to the family as well. Yeah. So I've always been interested in this. Uh, obviously, every exit from life is different because every person is different. <clears throat> but when I was an attorney, especially when I was a divorce attorney, because it was so emotional, uh, Every divorce was different. Every client was different. But there were more similarities than there were differences. People mm. were going through very similar things to where I would be like, oh, I've seen this. I kind of know what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Is it similar for you? Absolutely. I, I, I echo the exact same sentiment that every client I have comes with a different need and leaves with a different uh, service from me that's customized to them. But I pull from all of those to educate my clients and guide them in whatever is going to help them in the long run. Yeah. Are there big differences between people who are uh, in their 80s or 90s and passing away and people who are in their 30s or 40s and uh, tragically have something terminal? Mm-hmm. Yes, because it's a lot more logistic and probably a lot more law-based as you get older and thinking through where are these assets going, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, a client who's in his or her 30s is probably just wanting to talk through it more of like, what does this mean? What are people going to do after? Um, And a lot of people like to be involved in the celebration of life details, which Mm -hmm. is one of my focuses is to kind of provide them a customized approach to a celebration for them. Approximately how many people have you helped to transition? Yeah, um, I would say about 50 clients, but for 
various aspects yes. of so not all of those are transitioning in the moment in the room yeah some of that is i'm hired by the family afterwards just as a uh, helping with the celebration of life event so that's yeah. it's uh, a vast difference between those kevin any questions before we talk about the festival no oh it's fascinating though because having never really done any of that before we did a few months ago uh with my father-in-law and it was it's just things you don't even think of. Of course. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's not normal. Now, if you've done it a few times, maybe you do. But mm-hmm. when you're doing that for the first time up mm-hmm. close, right? That's a different. Right. it's a different thing than you've ever experienced. And it's also really different depending on how much someone subscribes to a religion. Because mm. generally when people subscribe to a religion, they have a game plan laid out. My mom died. My parents are Catholic. They had a laid out plan. Um, but for someone who isn't spiritual or, or is spiritual, but doesn't really say I'm, I'm this, they have many more questions about what should they do? What can they do? So, so Lauren, what initially attracted you to doing this type of work? Personal experience. And I, I bet most doulas who go and get a doula certification will tell you that, that they had a personal experience that was um, eye-opening for them. For me, it was my mom. She died of early-onset Alzheimer's. And in that week after, when we were trying to plan a funeral, I was just like, we really suck at this. Excuse my language. <laughs> as, as Americans, I'm like, what? Like this is silly. How are we supposed to plan this event that potentially hundreds of people are going to come to in a week when all I want to do is go in my room and tell everybody to screw off, you know? So from that is where it really started for me, mostly as event planning of like, let's do this better. And then as that path took me to death positive and the death positive movement is when I was like, oh, well, I, I like all of this. I want us to talk about it sooner. I want us to educate ourselves on the options we have because there are so many options that people don't realize. I remember as a kid, Uh, thinking just that. So I was born in 64, so say as a child of like the 70s, I remember when people would pass away, it was so regimented. It was if you died on a Monday, the family would go to like Mark's Mortuary on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. You'd pick out a casket, you'd pick out a suit, you'd have your thing on Wednesday, maybe Thursday at the very latest. And I remember thinking at the time, this must be intentional to make you go through something mm. quickly for a reason, but it feels cruel mm-hmm. that, that, like, especially the next day you're in doing business, mm-hmm. you know? And it is a business. I mean, the funeral industry is a business, and that's okay. We, we're in America, and we thrive on businesses, but America became so scared to talk about these things and engage in death that we handed— mm. We handed our death process over to the funerals. And then so they created the business of doing funerals, which is what it is. So I don't blame any funeral directors. I know a lot of funeral directors who are trying to get the families back engaged sooner, understanding why we've done things and how we can do it differently. You don't have to do the same thing. Yeah, I'm personally seeing much more of someone passes away on a Monday and you might have a celebration of life a month from then, mm-hmm. maybe six months from yeah. then. Have you seen more of it that? It can be a year. Yeah. I I still find that's a little bit of a fight with clients. Uh, a lot of people think of it as the closure. No, I'm ready. I want the closure. Yeah. I, I, want I don't want to revisit this. Right. Yeah. And there's many reasons for doing that. And then there's people like my in-laws who wanted to wait a year when gra- grandma died. And that was great, too. And it gave way more time for people 
to get there and gather yeah. and prepare. In general, what do you wish Americans did differently uh, than what the, the way that we've traditionally done it over the past few decades? Talk about it. <laughs> Talk about it sooner, more regularly. Normal dinner conversation, because part of the reason why it's so hard to to get these options known to people is because we don't engage with it and we don't talk about it and then it happens and we just deal with it yeah and it's not pleasant yeah uh, if you're just tuning in we're talking to lauren ponder she is one of the organizers of last call and end of life festival uh, so tell us about the festival yeah so the festival this year is scheduled for october 21st at bell fountain cemetery it is a beautiful location there's going to be lots of presentations on natural burials and body donation. There's some philosophical conversations. There's a death cafe. There'll be music. There'll be kids activities. There, it's very interactive and, dare I say, fun festival to come to because people don't always love when I say it's going to be fun and it's related to death and dying. But that's really my goal is for people to understand that death isn't always a sad topic that it can be something to engage with. So kind of going back to the beginning, if you can share uh, a couple, especially like the early uh, experiences when you were there, Mm -hmm. when someone passed, Mm -hmm. what was that like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I personally find it to be a big honor to be in the room with someone as they're transitioning. Just like if someone invited me into a birth room, I would, it would be a big honor to be involved in that really personal, the most personal, in my opinion, transition, birth to life to death. And so it's there is a labor that's involved in death, and that can catch people off guard. That's why I think people should talk about it and know what to expect in the death process. Um, Hospice is amazing to have involved, and that one of my earliest with my mom, hospice was there to guide us through everything. They are amazing. More people should use them. But Being able to say to your person in that moment, hey, you've done your job. You did it awesome here. I loved every minute of it. It's okay. Do what you need to do. Don't feel like you need to hold on for us. Like we're okay. And that can release the people in the room, the caregivers that have been caring for that person. And that can also give that person the permission that they don't have to be here now anymore just for those around them. That they can go see what's next. So when my dad passed away, also with Alzheimer's, and it was about a week from the time that they said, this is this is probably it, mm-hmm. until he passed away. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, hospice people came to the nursing home. Mm-hmm. And it was so helpful, even just physically, because um, people who are, it, it's different with every person, but as you well know, people will make weird sounds, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll look strange their feet will look weird their skin will look weird and it's very scary uh unless you have someone there telling you this is very normal this will happen next and then this will happen yeah and you know doulas the doula role is non-medical that's that's something that needs to be clear is doulas are not um always nurses or medical personnel though i know plenty of people in hospice hospice nurses or social workers who have also trained as doulas who have taken just a certification to get that extra personal knowledge but i will say the the hospice nurses the nurses there they've been to many more deaths than i ever have and they know every step of the way they can tell you to the hour of like it's time this is happening and that is so reassuring to everybody to to have that medical person involved um, 
and it can be in addition to, uh, obviously it should be in addition to a doula, or it could be the doula saying, I've seen this before. This is probably what's going to happen next. Let's get these things in yeah. order. Yeah, really, really helpful. Did you go through mm-hmm. that, Kev, with your father-in-law? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, more, more my my mother-in-law and my wife because they were in mm-hmm. place because it was up in Chicago yeah. and we were kind of doing the back and forth. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, getting that information was mm-hmm. really important. I mean, the same thing my, my grandmother's was years ago, and it was the same idea that, you know, with my mom and her siblings, they were all a part of that, but nobody knew exactly how the timing was going to work. But mm-hmm. Getting the all right, that is normal. This is next. It it calmed the room at least. Yeah, I don't know that it makes anybody feel less pain. Right, but it maybe takes away some of that. Uh, what do you say? The uncertainty. Yeah, in the moment, the anxiety Cause, around because you yeah. don't want your person to be suffering unnecessarily. Right. 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 Sometimes. Sometimes there will be suffering. I mean, that's just the way it is. Uh, one more time on all of the particulars, how people uh, come to the festival. Yeah, yeah. So the Big Day Festival, you can check out uh, the website for all of our stuff at lastcallendoflifefestival.com. But there's a big festival on the 21st. We're doing a death over dinner. We're doing a movie screening. We're really trying to get some new events in there to engage people in where they're at with death and dying. Because not uh, everybody wants to talk all the time, but we're, we have lots of events you can attend. Good to see you, and good to see you here, uh, as opposed to somewhere else. Thank you. Thanks. 221 DGS on KMOX. Thanks for listening. That's a sincere thank you for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, Andrew, you were gone. I mentioned to the guys here that uh, I made chili over the weekend. I'm going to go home and have some leftover chili, and wheels went all bubble gump on me. (laughs) (laughs) Chili nachos. Chili, he really did. Chili he pasta. He wasn't trying to be funny. He's like, I put it on no, Fritos. No, chili dogs. Mm. I'm trying to put on Frito scoops. Mm. Why do I sound like Sling Blade? I don't know. Why do you? <laughs> <laughs> you tell us, man. Put chili on my cereal. Chili on the French fried potatoes. Ooh, you know what else is good? I didn't mention this one. Chili on eggs and toast. Yeah, mm. no. Mm. Ooh, I never had that mm. one. All those things sound pretty mm. good. I like it. Oh, man. What'd yeah, you put in like, it? What's that? What'd you put in it? Uh, very, very basic. Okay. Just very basic. Okay. A hot chili or just like a normal, like, middle no, of the road? No, ice cold. Hotter than... No, dummy, like, <laughs> spicy. Oh, I hate it Come when on, man. Fight. No, we're not really they fighting. They've had a rough day. We're like, bro- we're like brothers. We just do that. Yeah. yeah. No, you idiot. <laughs> we're definitely... We're the Sioux Step brothers. Dave's famous chili chili. <laughs> so... Kevin is by no means short, but you're what, 5'8", probably? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, Andrew was telling a story about a friend of his who's evidently 5'3". He's and it, not even. As he <laughs> told, you mentioned that he said 5'3". Yeah, he, he did. did. I did. He did. As he said, he is uh, short. He's about 5'3". He literally turned his chair and his body <laughs> toward Wheeler. Yeah, and gestured and with gestured. his hands. Uh, like, and I was like, what's that? <laughs> you guys are like the exact same height. Are we? I'm like, I'm like 5'10". I figured he was taller than me. <laughs> but, but I assume everybody's taller than me, so that's but right. Jake is like, my friend is like uh, is like 5'8". So that's why I was like, in my so head, I'm Jake like... dirty too. I'm like, oh, yes. I was like, oh, he's like he's like Wheeler's height, but for some reason that came out instead of 5'8", <laughs> which I did say 5'3". It's like telling a story about someone who's old and bald and pointing at me. <laughs> like, wait, what? He's like Dave. Uh, Am I the poster boy for this now? <laughs> Guess what? Uh, guess what? Industry is dying. Cereal. Oh, I saw really? this. Yeah, evidently it had, a, which I guess makes sense. I mean, we've been eating it for hundred yeah. years or more. Um, it had an uptick during COVID, which 
lots of weird things did. But now that we can get back out there, <laughs> don't have to eat cereal anymore. Uh, it's really again. it's really going down. People down are now. blaming the low carb diets. Mm. I can people see don't that. Wanna, mm. Don't want to carbo load in the morning with their. Dr. Frankenberry or whatever. Well, I'm keeping the industry alive with my little... Yeah. So is that adults not yeah. eating it or are adults not buying it for their kids? Great question. Not sure. Not sure. Interesting. Because I eat cereal every day. Do you? Yeah. What's your poison? I have the uh, peanut puffs. butter and chocolate uh, yep. Cheerios. <laughs> oh, they're good. He's of course. Cute. He's yeah. adorable. <laughs> I mean, they have less sugar than the Sometimes honey Cheerios. And... Chili on them. Yeah, they're good. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Only on holidays. I'm like just picturing wheels in a cereal commercial now, like a children's cereal commercial where it's like, they're chocolatey plasters. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's go. Dig them. Taking bowls away from young kids. <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'll take that. Silly kids. Uh, so chocolatey speaking, blasters are for wheels. Speaking of age, Rage, you had a, a weird thing oh, that made you feel older. I had a terrible brain fart yesterday. I was having like a fake conversation in my head where I'm like introducing myself and saying how old I am. And then I'm like, and I'm 30. Uh, how old am I? <laughs> like I had to actually do the math with the year I was born and the year it is now. And I'm like, I guess I'm 32, but I really thought I was 31. I had the exact same uh, thing happen to me yesterday. I was in the car with my wife. We were going to the zoo and we stopped at McDonald's and I got a happy meal. And I said something about the Happy Meal, and but I was like, well, it's fine, I don't care. And she was like, why don't you care? And I was like, because I'm, I'm a 34-year-old man and I'm eating a Happy Meal. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute. No, I'm not, I'm not 34. And my wife goes, yeah, you're 34. And I'm not. I'm 30. You're 33, I'm 30, right? Yes, I'm 33. And both of us were like, throwing me off. Both of us were like, no, you're, you're 34. Don't if it makes you feel better, when I try to figure out how old I will be in a certain year, like, for example, now I'm at the age that I can start calculating when social security hits mm. it's like a scene from oppenheimer <laughs> i mean i got chalkboards going and venn diagrams the calculations are flying around your head like the hangover i saw a something went viral the, these girls on a podcast were like did you know that if you take your birth year and you add, and you add the year it is it's always 2023. <laughs> and everybody was like, yeah, that's the way math works. <laughs> See, I would have been really impressed by that. You're like, did you guys know? Like, or like you take your birth year and you add your age or something like that. Now I'm making fun of the person. I'm like, oh, no, but, idiot. And yeah. I can't even remember what the formula was. <laughs> but yeah, if you do I two feel plus like, whatever, it's five. I do feel like Andrew and I are... We're in our mid-30s now, which is, like, the gray area of, like, who knows, who cares how old you are. Like, until you hit 35, like, 35 is a nice round one, but, like, anywhere between 31 and 35, it's just like, eh, who cares? I was just thinking about this, that, uh, okay, much like a day, that 6 a.m., noon, 6 p.m., and midnight all have their good points and their bad points, right? They're, you know, you, you could make a, a case for and against any of those times. And I think that uh, life is similar. Like I could make a case like being 15 is really probably the best time of your life, but you don't want to be it. You just want to be 25 or 30. Mm -hmm. And then when you get there, you don't realize how young you really still are. But then when you get to be like my age and even older, that sucks. 
but at least you don't have to do homework. <laughs> and, you know, yeah. you probably got a couple nickels. You can do stuff. So No, when I was like 23, I was like, I've, I wasted my entire life. And then now I'm 33, and I'm like, oh, I really wasted my entire <laughs> oh, life. Oh, boy. I had no idea how much I could <laughs> oh, waste man, it. I had 10 whole years <laughs> I to was do so wrong. <laughs> I had 10 whole years to turn this around. 234 DGS. I just telling the guys that uh, evidently Mark Marin, who was on it this Friday, uh, talked about it on his national podcast. <clears throat> uh, talked about how being on the Riz show and my show uh, reminded him how great live radio can be. And it was very exciting for him, except that he called me Roger. <laughs> and, uh, he just listened to the traffic reports. Yeah. And he said that uh, he realized it later. And he felt bad and was going to correct it on his next podcast, which is very nice. Yeah, like, that is nice. Plus, that's kind of a kick-ass name. I Roger, like that. Roger Glover. It's right up there with Rex. <laughs> Rex <laughs> is my go-to. <laughs> hey, if you want to be Roger, I mean, we can make that happen. <laughs> can we? <laughs> well, I mean, someone uh, can. Before you kind of have Before to. we do Stairway to Kevin, um, I, I hate when Cardinals baseball is on Apple, but for a weird reason. Like, well... First of all, it, aesthetically, it looks different a little bit, yeah. than Bally's. Yeah. And here's what I hate. I hate in the lower right corner where it's telling me all the percentage chances of things that are going to happen. Oh, I like that. Do you? Yeah. See, that's the difference between yep. your kind of but fan I'm a and super my nerd. kind of fan. Yeah, right? I'm, I'm super nerd. You're, and I yeah. know that you should be able to have it and I should just have to ignore it, but you've met me. <laughs> it's hard for me to ignore things. Yeah. You're not alone, though. There are a lot of people that hate it. I mean... And I'm not sure that the right play is to play to the super nerds that are already in. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. Because I can find that stuff on my phone. I don't know exactly where to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, like, <laughs> that's exactly my point. Like, it's not the people that really want it probably already know it or know where to find it and have it going as opposed to the people that just want to see the game. Yes. You know what I mean? I don't really want to know what percentage chance... Tommy Edmond is going to strike out. Right. Like that, just it just distracts me. Yeah. It is an interesting thing because you see how the odds will happen. Like, you know, the Cardinals at one point, you could say they have a 80% chance of winning this game. Oh, but they lost. Like that that, that up and down of the chances kind of shows you how it really works, how, how the math really works. Yeah. It's just in that moment under those circumstances, but the circumstances change. Literally the next time a pitch is thrown. Yes. Every time a play happens, those the, the circumstances that go into equating that are different than they were one play before. How about that Mizzou game? How about that? Do you guys know what we're talking about? 61-yard <laughs> field goal to win the game. So Mizzou is playing uh, K-State, Matt Pauley's beloved K-State. And uh, Phoebe going to KU, when K-State plays Mizzou, all you can root for is an asteroid. (laughs) (laughs) So K-State was ranked 15th, and Mizzou's not ranked. So K-State should have handled them pretty handily. And I was at my mom's house, and we are watching it, and Mizzou's hanging in, Mizzou's hanging in. And then when I left, they tied it up. And by the time I got home, their kicker, who's a big guy, he's called the thicker kicker. Yeah, he's a large man. He kicked a sixty-one year a sixty-one yard field goal, which was the <laughs> longest in SEC history to win the game for Mizzou. As the clock expired, as the clock expired, right? Like a this is off. it. Yep, it's either win or do- or you lose. Doesn't get much cooler than that. No, that that that's a big win for for Coach Drink too. Yeah, like they they need some more of those like kind him. of. Yeah, absolutely. I love his personality. I like what he's trying to do. I mean, like every every young coach needs time to establish themselves. Like if you go back and look at Gary Pinkle year three or year four, you weren't gangbusters. You know, it was almost eight, 
nine years before you got to the really good stuff. I liked in his press conference, I didn't realize that uh, the starting quarterback, Cook, was being booed. Oh, yeah. But yeah. I, 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 I liked when he said, hey, boo me if you want. I'm a grown-ass man. Don't boo a kid. Don't boo a student. Give him a chance. Totally agree. Why yeah. are you booing him? What's, what's the deal he's with just him? Not, he's not putting up big numbers. He's not – I mean – most of the time when an offense isn't going well, it's going to get pinned on a quarterback. And in some cases it is. And in, in the Mizzou case, I, I don't think, I don't think that the quarterback play has been good. There. I don't think cook has been what you hoped for, but I don't know. I mean, I'm torn to be honest with you because I don't mind b- booing college yeah, quarterbacks. You're a well, I mean, to a degree, <laughs> like, yeah, back in the day I was in college, I was, but like you are a grown person. You could be serving in a war. I mean, you, you're old enough to vote. I mean, like, they can handle it. I don't think we need to look at college athletes as kids. They're not kids. They're young men, and they are competing in a very, very difficult world. They can, If they can't handle it, they're probably not going to handle moving up the levels anyway. Uh, I know I don't think that anybody should ever be doing the death threats or over-the-top nasty stuff. That's big of you. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but I mean, like, don't 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 get into the just don't threaten chanting them, terrible okay? te- ter- terrible chanting terrible things about you know people. They college students get drunk, and get weird. They get stupid with some of the things they say mm-hmm. to the players on their team and on the other team. I'm not talking about that, but sheer booing of performance. I don't. If you're a top tier athlete and Division One athletes are top tier, like you know, you talk about the professionals, the big leaguers, the NFL players. They're the one percent. These college guys are in the top 3% in the world. Like, they're elite. I think they can handle it. The bo- Just straight-up normal booing. I'm not talking about harassment or any of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Aren't we weird? We're such weird monkeys. <laughs> we are very like weird if, monkeys. Like, if, you know, the aliens are watching, like, it appears when they're happy, they slap their appendages together. <laughs> <laughs> and when they're unhappy, they make a vowel sound. Stay <laughs> <laughs> away to Kevin. All right. Let's, uh... I guess two different ways that I that I want to go here. We'll just start with uh, the one that's a little less important or serious than the two, but it does revolve around the Senate and Congress. Did you guys see what they're doing in the Senate now, relaxing yes, the dress code? I'm glad you're talking about this. So I find it fascinating because I hate dress codes. Um, I understand there are times when you have to look a certain way, right? Um, what I just want to first of all, people have if you haven't seen this, they're changing the rules. Uh, in the Senate so that basically John Fetterman can wear hoodies. I mean, it's basically what it is, which, you know what? Fine. I'm a hoodie kind of person. If I were in the Senate, I wouldn't want to wear a coat and tie. It would be bothersome. I I doubt I would go the shorts and hoodies route. I think I'd find a middle ground in there. But do we know whether this is because uh, the senator has been very open and honest about his struggles with depression? Or is it just in general, hey, I don't want to wear a suit? Uh, It's a good question. I, I haven't seen it framed either way. They're just making the big picture that... Senators can now relax their dress code. Okay, but here's the here. There's a lot of crappy things. This is why I wanted to bring it up because there's multiple ways. One, should we be deformalizing a very formal entity? Um, and I think that's one discussion. And on the other side, they're letting senators relax their dress code, but all of their underlings yeah. still have to do the same thing that they always done. So yeah. my take will probably surprise you. As someone who literally doesn't own a suit, uh, I don't like it. Uh, it's the United States Senate. It's the most powerful body in the world. It's weird once again that we like we slap our hands together when we're happy and we go boo and we're unhappy. It's weird that we chose this outfit 
to be the official outfit. Yes. It could have been a tupa or a tube top, but it yes. has to be a suit and tie. But I'm used to it, and I I don't want to see anyone uh, in a hoodie and shorts doing business in the Senate. That's just me. I feel the exact same way. These people are starting out at $174,000 a year. That's they're, Andrew money. They're mm-hmm. there to serve us. I don't get why it's so hard to slap on a jacket. Uh, the whole thing is like, well, what if they just got off a flight? Wear a suit on the flight. I don't care. It's not that hard. If we're not going to be formal in the Senate, where are we going to be formal? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Dave. I, I don't like formality, but I don't think that it has to be either extreme. Like, we can loosen up the suit and tie thing without going all the way down to hoodie and shorts. Why do they need to loosen up the suit and tie thing? Well, I don't think you need to, but I don't think it's a problem if you're wearing a nice golf shirt and, you know, a nice pair of khakis or something like that. I, I don't, because. But then why is it, I, I get what you're saying, but then if I am visiting Congress and I'm like petitioning something, I have to be dressed in business attire. Yeah. Well, I don't like so that So why part. are they above the people who are, like, I, I just don't get it. I think. There are, if you were telling me AT&T is getting rid of their dress code, okay, great, I don't care. But it's the Senate. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole thing was like January 6th, like, I can't believe they're desecrating the floor of the Senate. It's such a hallowed and sacred place. But I guess I want to wear my uh, cargo shorts and my hoodie down there. <laughs> See, that's, my, that's, that's my thing, is that we talk about how we've lost sight of, uh, we talk about it a lot on the show, like, we've lost sight of the ceremony, right? We've lost sight of the 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 respect for for the office you know what i mean like it's all just it's all just goofiness now and i think that this is this is not going to make that better it's, it's going to be a hundred times worse if instead of being goofy in suits they're being goofy in like graphic tees and cargo shorts and the way you dress it you know it's not the most important thing in the world but it is a way to show respect when i was growing up one of my friends at her church it was a big thing like oh these girls want to wear pants to church but the elders in their church are really against that. And it was like a whole thing. And then people were just making the decision, well, I'm going to do the thing that makes everyone at church most comfortable. I'm going to continue to wear a skirt as a sign of respect to those older people who had a problem with it. To me, putting on a tie or, you know, ladies putting on like a pantsuit is a sign of respect to the American public who are you are supposed to be serving to show like, hey, I cared enough to put effort into my appearance today. I care enough to look nice. I care enough to take it seriously. I'm uh, again. The reason why I, I I do think there has to be a standard. I just don't think the standard needs to be suit and tie or button down. Uh, whether I, I don't know exactly what the rules are for how the women that are in the Senate have to dress, but regardless, it's formal, right? I'm fine with less than formal. I'm not fine with looking like you're going to a little league game, and I think there's a balance in there. But I also part of my thing is I want to stop elevating them. I want them to be like us. We've got to stop putting them up above us because of how they look, because of where they are. They are not. They're public servants. And maybe if they dressed more like the rest of us do on a normal basis, we would stop with the whole, um, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to exaggerate it. Cause I don't think we, I don't think we, I don't, I don't think we put them in a position where they're like worthy of worship but we do like Mr. Senator and Madam Senator, like none of that. Your, your your parents gave you a name. Let's call you by your first name. I mean, but it's but it's respect both ways. It's just like well, they right- don't respect us. Is my point. And I think that we've got to we don't need to have this separation that they're better than us or that they're higher than us because they're already acting that way. And I'm not saying that they don't they can't dress that way. They can dress any way they want. If they want to wear a tuxedo, wear a tuxedo. 
but I feel like we need to knock down the wall between the people that represent us and us. And this might be a way of normalizing how we see them because the visual matters. Now, I don't think, again, I'm not talking about looking like a slob, but I, I think we do too much of this where it's like, you're important. You should be this. Stop telling them they're important. I think it's because I don't think they're important <laughs> that I think they need to dress nice show the for respect. work. Yeah. Like, show me that you care. Okay. Because you're not better yeah, than like me. Like, what if Biden gave... You don't need to be in yoga pants. Yeah, what if Biden gave the State of the Union in a in a V-neck and Birkenstocks? Like, that would be world news, and we would mm. all be aghast. And maybe we shouldn't, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm surprisingly conservative in a lot of things like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it never bothered me that they had to do that. I also don't like the double standard. I don't like that staffers sure. the staffers have to wear suit and that's ties, but the bosses don't have to. Them above the staffers. This, and again, mm-hmm. that that's maybe I'm over the top in my view on this, and I believe I am, but I can't get past it. We do too much of that. We do too much of making the people that represent us special. The president is not special. He won a popularity contest. That's what the president is. I don't care what party they represent. They still work for us. They are not special. I can't help but like Fetterman just as a person. I just I just kind of like him. Uh, but I didn't like his explanation when he was like, I dress like a working person because working people are the. Yeah, I agree with all that. But I just don't make that connection. I don't make that. connection. Yeah. Plenty of working yep. people have to wear a uniform. Yep. What are yep. you talking or work clothes? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. 253 DGS and KMOX wheels. You had a fine point that you forgot to make. <laughs> and please don't make it the I, way you did. I will, I will censor. No, please do. I, My Lord. If I do, you guys. Andrew, uh, you we'll see in another life. On so much. I know. I can't. He gave it. a description of Lauren Bobert at the musical like. <laughs> yeah. My. We can't Lord say it in heaven. No, no. no I would not. No. Well, again, what I don't set, think I've even thought it that way before. I can fill in the blanks. What set me off is I was I was looking up the the Fetterman hoodie thing because again I understand people who think that's terrible, right? You guys don't like it. Uh, I think a lot of I think most people, if asked, are to say this is a bad idea. We shouldn't be dressing down the Senate. I don't care that much, but I understand that. The thing that I hate about how these things work now is that everything becomes a talking point, a political point. So Ron DeSantis is on the stump. And he's talking about how ridiculous it is that the Senate's lowering the standards for John Fetterman, right? But he hasn't said a word about Lauren Boebert. Not a single word. Why? Because he's on, she's on his team. What she did is a far bigger disgrace to the body that is Congress than somebody wearing a hoodie and shorts to the Senate. Not even close. You're in a public place doing things you can't do in public. And I don't mean just like acting drunk or whatever she was doing. I mean, there's a little bit of physical contact between her and her date that shouldn't be happening in in a public place. And if you don't come out and say that's not okay, but you are mad about Fetterman or vice versa, if you're mad about Bobert but you don't like something else, you're gonna you're not gonna talk about something else because that person's on your team. I don't care which team you're on. You need to criticize your own team. Hundred percent. You need to just be honest and don't do this stuff where I'm only going to say something about the other team, even if it's piddly and meaningless. I would like to find out what was in that vape because, Ooh. damn, well, they were she flirting. forgot she was even vaping. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she said that. Stuff. She's like, ah, yeah, you probably forgot a whole lot of things with what was in there. But I like, mean, 
And then it then it becomes though then this becomes a thing where on on Twitter at the very least but even from some news sources where it's almost like some kind of equivalency. And these should, two things are not equal. Should the I, and I think they have to some extent, but should the ethics uh, organization, the ethics committee of the House get involved w- when it was her free time as a citizen, but but the appearance of impropriety? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you going to do it again? You no, gonna talk dirty gonna, to us? No, there was video. <laughs> it wasn't an appearance. Like it happened when we saw it. Um, I, I guess this is why the thing, why I'm a little bit less worried about the dress code maybe than others. I care way more about how people in the Senate and in Congress act and talk. I don't care as much about what they look like. And we seem to be focused on the wrong things sometimes, like the appearance of being classy as opposed to actually saying the right things and not acting like children. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.